when we start a new year on occasion, we will kind of use it as an opportunity to maybe make some goals, set ourselves some targets, realign our priorities maybe. You know, for example, uh, this year I want to eat a more balanced diet. Or this year I want to exercise more. I want to spend more time with family. Or there might be an area in your work that you want to improve on. It's, it's quite a natural period as we start a new calendar year to do that. Um, very natural. And so we thought, well actually, why don't we as a church begin to take that principle and look at the question, well, what does it mean for God to be a priority for us this year? Because far more important than a new diet or some goals and objectives around this and that, a first priority for us is what does it look like for God to be the foundation, for God to be the, the, the first thing in my life? First things first, God. And so we've called this series first and we're going to spend the month looking at some different topics within that of what it means for the kingdom of God to be first things in our lives, uh, which I think will be, can only be beneficial as we start this new year together. So I'm going to read to you just a few verses from Luke's gospel. Luke was a bloke who uh, walked closely with Jesus. He was one of his disciples, an apprentice of Jesus. And he wrote down lots of the things that he saw and heard. And um, in Luke chapter 9, he gives us uh, kind of some detail about these exchanges that Jesus has with particular people who want to follow him. And so we're going to read the passage together and then draw out some of these things together. So let's read Luke chapter 9, starting at verse 57. It says this. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet to another, he said, I'll follow you, Lord. But let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is the word of God. So in this passage, you get three exchanges. And we're going to look at each of those in turn, three different individuals, these kind of three people who encounter Jesus. And we're going to draw out some principles. And so the first one is a kind of a passionate and zealous young man who, who comes to Jesus, says, I'll follow you wherever you go. Lots of us, when we first become Christians, have that kind of zeal, that enthusiasm, I'll, I'll go anywhere, I'll do anything. A, a radical type of approach, that would have been my story as a teenager, I thought I'll do anything for the Lord. And it's interesting because Jesus actually comes back at him with a bit of a challenge. He doesn't deny the young man, he doesn't say no, he doesn't say you can't follow me, but he wants to give him a dose of realism, he wants to give him a little bit of a reality check of what it really means to follow Jesus. You see, sometimes we can overpromise, overcommit. We can do that in, 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 in lots of different areas. I'll do anything, Lord, without really counting the cost of what that actually means. The famous one of doing that would have been Jesus' disciple Peter, Simon Peter, who says, you know, the others may deny you, the others may desert you, me, I'll never do that. But he ends up eating his words because he hadn't truly counted the cost. And so Jesus is trying to prevent this young man from doing that kind of trying to be really real with him, to let him know, to, to follow me is not all roses and, and sunshine and skipping in the park. 
Jesus was often up front of his disciples of, of, of what it meant to really follow him. That it comes at great cost. The, the wide path is easy and many go down it. But the narrow path is, 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 is thin and more tricky and few manage to go down it. And so Jesus is, is that kind of interaction that Jesus is, is having here. He wants to make it clear that following him is not like in those days to follow a rabbi. Most of the people said, I'll follow a rabbi. You sit under a few of their teachings. You, you might kind of, you know, uh, follow them around a little bit, but it's not, not too huge commitment. Jesus is almost letting him know, no, this is not. To follow me ain't like that. I'm not like some other rabbi. This is not just, oh, I'll listen to a few teachings, kind of have a bit of a nice time. To follow me is a, is a massive commitment. This is a, an all-in thing. In our day, it would almost be like saying to someone, to be a Christian, to truly follow Jesus is basically, some people could say, oh yeah, just turn up to church on a Sunday. Maybe I'll go group Wednesday night and almost sort of, that's it really. Departmentalize our life. To really be a, a radical disciple is church Sunday morning, group Wednesday night. And the rest of our life, we don't really, the rest of our week, the rest of our time, we don't really pay God any regard. We don't, we don't really know we're Christian other than kind of some of those activities. And, and, and that's the sort of thing that Jesus is, is, is trying to come up against. That to, to follow me is not, we, it's not a kind of a part of your life or an area of your life. It's the whole thing that, that, that all of us, you know, you can't kind of departmentalise it and say, yeah, this part of me follows Jesus. No, we're, we're all in to follow him. I heard one man recently say that um, getting, becoming a Christian is not like getting a membership at a zoo, but it's like almost becoming a zebra. It's, it completely changes your life. It's not kind of just a, yeah, I'll go along there a few times, I'll do a little bit of that. To be a follower of Jesus changes everything about you. It, it completely changes who you are. It's a massive commitment that affects every area of our lives. And Jesus wants to make that plain and clear to this bloke. And so it's a challenge. Because some of us would say, Lord, I'll follow you anywhere you go. But we won't even follow him to our neighbours to let them know maybe about our faith. Or we won't even follow them to the school gates to share with other parents maybe about our faith. Or we won't even kind of go down our street. And so sometimes there can be a challenge for us in terms of what does it really mean to follow Jesus? To say, I'll go wherever you go means now I, I want you to be the first thing in my life. I want to give it all to you. And the reality of knowing what Jesus says here, the son of man has nowhere to lay his head, is that basically that sometimes being a Christian will be tough. Maybe finding a home will be difficult. Maybe you might face rejection and people not really wanting you to belong. I know at times I face that with friendship groups and things like that. Suddenly your faith becomes a hurdle for people. They stop inviting you to things. They, they, they kind of don't look at to, to you the same because you think, no, well, that, that's the count. Sometimes that's the cost. You have to count the cost of following Jesus. Sometimes there can be hardship following Jesus. There's brothers and sisters around the world uh, who face extreme persecution and hardship to follow Jesus, having to meet in secret underground, risking being put in prison. For us in this nation, for the time being, we, we don't face those pressures. Sometimes it can kind of skew us from the reality of some of the hardship of, of facing Jesus because it's very easy for us to have a convenient, kind of very kind of convenient Christianity. And so this should be a challenge for us. It really should. And so does this man follow Jesus after being told? We're not told. Would you, after a warning like that? So that's the first exchange. The second exchange uh, is actually someone saying to Jesus, saying to someone else, follow me. 
similar words that he'd said to his disciples, Peter and them, where he'd say, follow me. And he says, they put down their nets, they followed him. Sometimes Jesus would just say that, follow me. You, uh, you haven't got all the answers. You don't know all the entails, but is there a faith just to follow me? I don't know where it's going to lead me. I don't know where it's going to go this year. I don't know what places I'll end up, but I'm committed to following Jesus. And so he, uh, and, and the response that this man comes back with is, I want, I want to follow you, but first I just need to bury my father. Not a, an unreasonable request, you know. Some could say a biblical one. There's places in the Old Testament where it talks about the need to bury the dead and things like that. And in those customs, that was only a day or two. Sometimes now in our culture, it can take a week or two to plan, arrange a funeral. In those days, you would bury someone on the day or within days. So he's not asking for a long delay. Just give me a couple of days just to kind of get things sorted. And what Jesus comes back at him seems actually quite harsh. <laughs> Let the dead bury their own dead. Wow, this is harsh. There's two principles that Jesus is drawing out. The first is a, is, is, is a commitment uh, a principle in scripture that you see time and time again that commitment to follow Jesus must outweigh your family. In Luke 14, he famously says, you must hate your mother and father. You think, wow, it's a bit strong. What Jesus is really trying to say there is that I must be the first priority. Not your family, not your spouse, not your kids, not your parents. I am the first thing in, 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 in your life. I must be first. And so we see this principle again here. And the second thing that Jesus then says to him is he says, for you, you need to go proclaim the kingdom of God. The, the person who's died, his soul is now out of reach. You know, the dead are gone, they're, they're no longer with us, which although sounds morbid is, is true. And so Jesus is, is almost saying, don't spend time focusing on the dead, but on the gospel that you're going to proclaim, which will bring life. That's what he's saying, life to your own soul and follow me, but also life of the kingdom that you're going to proclaim. And so we see these two principles here. that again, emphasize to follow Jesus takes real commitment. Think about the military. People that join the military will go out and, and they're fighting in, in wars and things like that. And sometimes in that process, they will miss important family events, birthdays, weddings, funerals, you know, because they kind of count the cost to say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm all in here. I'm, I'm on the front lines. And so you, you, you can have that. Or maybe an athlete training for the Olympics or something. Let's say a distance runner might go out to Kenya for months at a time to practice and train. And at the time they do that, they will miss family events and all sorts of things because of their unwavering commitment to the sport. You think, if that's the military and that's athletics, how much more for faith in God should that commitment be? That's the level of commitment that, that Jesus is after that outweighs any sort of anything else. There's a pastor in America called Bill Wilson who kind of was famous for running a massive Sunday school and he used to drive the Sunday school bus, this kind of big kids ministry. He'd go around kind of estates in, in, in projects in Brooklyn and places like that, and he'd pick up all these kids, and he'd done it for decades. And people would say, oh, how come you do it? And someone said, well, someone asked me to drive the bus. And I said, yes. He quite finally at times says, I didn't have to go to a conference. I didn't have to put on a worship CD. I just said yes. And 30 years later, I'm still doing it. And he says a famous, quite a, a strong sentence where he says that because our commitment, must be stronger than our emotion. Sometimes we can be so emotionally led, I don't feel like doing it. There's days when he felt like, I didn't feel like getting up to drive the bus. I didn't feel like I wanted to do it, but I made a commitment. And my commitment must be stronger than my emotion. And that's the same for us following Jesus. There's days when we might feel challenged and, 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 and kind of stretch, but we make a commitment to follow him wherever it leads us, wherever we go. Does this person follow Jesus? We're not told. Would you? after that warning.
Then we get our third and final exchange, which is again, someone says, I'll follow you. And again, not a particularly unreasonable request. Okay, first, let me just go and say bye to some people at home, kind of quite a natural request. Um, and Jesus then basically says, kind of rebukes him, really challenges him and says, no, the, the one who looks back at the plow, the one who puts his hands to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. It's quite a, a funny image, really. It's like someone plowing a field and keep looking back over their shoulder. They're going to go in, 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 in wonky lines. You, you can't do it effectively. You must be someone who's looking forward. And this is the comment that Jesus is making here, that to follow him means that we look forward that we kind of think about, we don't look back sometimes at the past wants or the things in this world that we felt like, oh, I just, I kind of want to follow Jesus, but I just want to keep one foot in this camp and keep following him. Again, you, you see a famous Old Testament story with Lot's wife, where he said, I'm, I'm going to take you out of that place, don't look back. And if you do, and Lot's, Lot's wife looks back and she turns to a pillar of salt because she, 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 it's like her heart was still there. She was looking back with a longing. And Jesus said, no, you don't, to follow me, you're all in. We face forward, we keep going. Reminds me of Paul's words in Philippians 3, where he says, you know, 13, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lays behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize, the upward call of God in Christ. So again, Jesus is trying to kind of draw it out that to follow him can... Sometimes you have to really leave some stuff behind. There's one of the, the saints at Downham side, a lady who, um, when she, she was sharing her testimony with me not, not that long ago, and to follow Jesus for her meant that she was basically excommunicated from her family because they were of a different faith. And they kind of completely excommunicated her, didn't talk to her for years and years and years. But she says, I, I don't regret it for one minute. Sometimes to follow Jesus can come at great cost. And for people in the Jewish culture at times, it could have come at great cost. And, and this is what Jesus is making really, really plain. But he's like, you're not to look back, we're to keep looking forward. And to be a disciple, to follow me, is more important than anything else. You know, the um, Australian emblem, kind of on their sports jerseys and things like that, uh, contains two animals. There's a kangaroo and an emu. And the reason they chose those animals is because they're renowned that there's two of only animals that basically can't really go backwards very easily. They can only move forward. And it's a symbol for a nation saying, we want to be a nation who's looking forward, moving forward, going forward. And I've always found that deeply inspiring. And the principle is the same in kind of in scripture. That to follow God, we press on, we look forward. We don't long for the things of the past, but we press forward. And this is what Jesus is saying to this individual here. Does this man follow Jesus? We're not told. Would you after that challenge? All of these exchanges could almost sound like Jesus is, is very harsh, very tricky. One of the things that we must remember is Jesus isn't asking us to do anything that he wasn't willing to do himself. In fact, he modelled commitment to the cause perfectly. His commitment was unwavering, stronger than his emotions to the point where even though he wrestled in the Garden of Gethsemane, can you take this cup from me? His commitment to endure the cross for the joy that was before him. And his, his commitment to love his people, to leave heaven, to come to earth, to lay down his life at the cross. He committed himself to his people for the joy that was before him. As one man C.T. Studd said, if Jesus Christ be God and die for me, 
then no sacrifice is too great for me to make for him. Why don't we let that be uh, our truth, the thing that we carry as we begin this new year together, an unwavering commitment to follow Jesus, to, to put his kingdom first and to say, Lord, you're the first thing in my life. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for uh, your challenge to us. Uh, we thank you that you, you call us to follow you. You call us to uh, put you first. Lord, and we know that when we do that, it's such joy. And I want to pray for all of us. Help us, Lord, to receive the challenge from the scriptures today to put you as the first thing in our life. And will you help us by your Holy Spirit uh, to lay hold of that as we start this new year together. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.